Travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. So, you want to see Indonesia. Well, that's a big, broad desire. Where do you even start? Stretching about 5,100 kilometers, comprising anywhere between 13,000 to 17,000 islands, depending how you talk to, this is the world's largest archipelagic state. With 280 million people, it's also the world's fourth largest country and the largest Muslim-majority nation on Earth. Sweet surf, dense jungles with primates, dragons here and there, steaming volcanoes, megacities, and 700 languages being spoken by 1,300 different ethnic groups. How do you even approach this trip? Well, today we're going to attempt just that with an Indonesian expert, journalist, travel writer, and explorer, Mark Evely. I'm Scott Coates in Bangkok, and who am I chatting with today? Today you'll be speaking with your co-host Trevor Ranges in Phnom Penh, Cambodia. Yeah, I'm stoked to have Mark on the show Indonesia is an amazing place, and I've been there a handful of times, and I think I've seen probably much more than your average traveler, but like I've seen like 1% of 1%, I think, of, of Indonesia. So I'm really excited to have Mark on because he, he has like a, a real insight. To yeah, he sure does. And uh, I, I want to try saying Salamat Malam, which I mean think means good evening, Bahasa Indonesian. So yeah, you know, I, I'm really curious. Like I feel like I've been to Indonesia a few times, which I have. I've been to uh, Yogyakarta. I've been to a few other cities around there. I've been to Borobudur, Prambanan. I went up uh, Mount Bromo. I've been to Bali a few times, went over to Lombok. But then you look at the map and you're like, oh, I've, I've been nowhere at all, right? Where, where have you been, Trevor? Well, you know, like we recently did an episode about uh, movies mm -hmm. about Asia. And like as a child, I think Vietnam, like Vietnam was a place in Asia we were well aware of uh, as Gen X, you know, the Vietnam War happening when we were little kids. Um, but for me, like the other place in Asia that I was aware of since I was a young boy was Indonesia, just because I grew up as a surfer and, and I knew I knew about Bali, I knew about Nias, I knew about like all these islands and these amazing exotic surf breaks um, and dreamt of them, put those pictures on my wall and stuff. So like when I first planned to come to Asia, the first place I went was, was Bali, you know, and then I went to Sumatra on that trip as well. So I've been around a little bit and, and I've always been inspired to go there in large part because of the surf, but obviously there's much, much, much more. Yeah, there is a ton. And I'm glad we've got an author of a book. Kopi Dulu. Uh, I've read the book and looking forward to this a lot. But before we get into it, do remember Trevor and I cover the costs of keeping this thing going. But luckily, we have some lovely people called patrons and they sponsor the show a little bit each month helps us keep it going. Then we send them things like postcards once in a while. We give them shout outs and we have special little in between regular episode, micro episodes, sometimes videos and stuff like that. So become a patron, click donate on our webpage or go to patreon.com 
search for Talk Travel Asia and become a patron. Communicate with us, help us keep it going and get that extra content. So Trevor, what do you think? What are you looking forward to on this one? And then we should get Mark in here. Gosh, you know, like uh, we learned about Mark because he has a a book that he wrote recently, uh, one of a number. He's quite an impressive journalist. And Scott, you were sent the book and had a chance to read quite a bit of it Mm -hmm. before we got to speak with Mark. Gosh, there's so much about the country that could say. So I don't know whether it's going to be the wildlife or the different cultures or, or the history or the jungle. I don't know. It's, a, it's such a diverse place that, uh, you know, I'm just excited to, to speak with him. Let's do it. Our guest, Mark Evely, has been a travel journalist for more than 25 years and has truly done it all. He's authored 12 books, more than 850 full-length travel features for more than 120 publications, including Esquire, Sports Illustrated, and National Geographic, among others, covering travel in more than 70 countries around the world. He joins us online from South Africa. Hi there, Mark. Hi, great to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, we really appreciate you making the effort to join us from the other side of the planet. And look, we always like to start at the beginning with everyone. So I know you've been not living in your country of birth for a long time, but where are you originally from? And what was your life like? And what was that life before living and working around the world? So I grew up, I was born born in England and actually grew up in West Africa. And um, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I... Uh, I guess I've got to admit that I didn't particularly like uh, being in England. So for the last 25, 26 Mm. years, I've been uh, traveling abroad, working for magazines mostly, working on books from time to time. And about 25 years ago, I had my first trip to Indonesia, and that kind of kicked off a love for the country, actually. Okay, wow. So, you know, when we first talk before a role in the show, uh, you mentioned that you were currently in South Africa, but was it Indonesia that really was your first experience in Asia and your love of Asia that drew your interest, I guess? Um, I traveled in Asia quite a bit before I first went to Indonesia, um, a lot around Southeast Asia, actually. Um, and then I I was kind of backpacking out for, while I was still living in London, I'd be backpacking. I'd Work for six months of the year through the through the summer actually, and then escape the English winter, and head off on whatever expedition or trip I could line up. And I guess I gradually started getting more and more off the beaten track, and I would get get to remoter places around the world. Um, and then in uh, I think it was 1995, I was sponsored by Heineken to lead an expedition across Kalimantan, across Indonesian Borneo, to get ready Ooh. for that trip. I learned Indonesian. And yeah, that that made a big uh, had a big impact on the trip. Obviously, in fact, it would have been nearly impossible without speaking Indonesian. And because of that, I I got a love for the country, and started returning as often as possible. And ended ended up at the at the moment I'm uh, based for let's say nearly six months of the year in West Bali, but traveling traveling a lot around the islands too. Wow, that is quite a way to turn pro in Asia is to do a trip for Heineken on Indonesian Borneo. That is a fantastic origin story for Asia. Well, look, Mark, most of our listeners have probably heard of Bali and maybe even Lombok and certainly Indonesia's capital, Jakarta, and possibly a couple other Indonesian mainstays. But today, I think we're going to deliberately, for the most part, focus on some other spots, many 
of which you feature in your very enjoyable book. And I might say it wrong. You can correct me here. Kopi Dulu. Is that how you say it? Yep, pretty much. Kopi Dulu. Kopi Dulu actually means coffee first. It's a, it became a, a catchphrase as I traveled around the country, actually. And, um, you know, wherever you right. go, people are so hospitable in Indonesia. And it seems that very little happens without Kopi Dulu, without having a quick coffee. You arrive in a village or you arrive even a hunter's camp and it's like, ah, Kopi Dulu, let's sit down and have a chat. And it almost came to symbolize the, the mood of hospitality for me that you find all over Indonesia. And that was why, by default, the back okay. of the book became called uh, Kopi Dulu. And it's the story of my travels 15,000 kilometers across Indonesia by road, by rail, by boat, and even on foot. Awesome. So I know this is a, a big, small question, but... In a nutshell, can you give our listeners a quick kind of broad overview of Indonesia and what it has to offer travelers? Yeah, in a nutshell, it's um, it's a it's actually a big question. <laughs> I mean, this is the the fourth <laughs> largest country in the world by population. Um, I think what you hit on uh, earlier earlier in your your question, you know, about there are a few islands that people know well. So it's, it's safe to say there are probably about eight islands with fairly large tourism number. Let's start with Bali. But you know, this is, a, this is a country, nobody really knows how many islands there are. There's somewhere, officially, the current uh, estimate is somewhere around 13,500. But a lot of people say it's closer to 17,500 islands. And most people agree that there are probably 12,000 that are, that are permanently uninhabited. So it's a, a crazy huge country. Put in perspective, you know, I'm blown away. I get kind of carried away and, and try not to dwell too much on the statistics, but I'm blown away by the huge scale of Indonesia. Um, and the journey that I made, that I, that I undertook, would be, would be uh, about the same, let's say, as traveling from Paris to Bangkok. You know, and the scope of, of, um, of cultural diversity within that area is probably similar too. There's such a huge difference between Aceh on the north of um, Sumatra and Papua, you know, could be another world away, really. Such a huge country. And I'm, I'm continually blown away by that. And I hope that that's something that uh, I captured in Copy Dulu in the book. Yeah, I'm excited to read it now because, again, like I have Google Maps open and uh, I'd like to try and make a Google map of this episode if you'd be willing to, to help out to share some of it. Because I think it's helpful to see a map when you see, you know, how enormous geographically Indonesia is. <laughs> Um, but again, it was interesting to like just mentioning Europe as like a multicultural continent, like Indonesia really is like more multicultural in a way. Like people think of Indonesia as like Indonesia, but like it's so diverse, as you mentioned, that, that the culture, the language, the, the heritage, everything is, is, I don't know, it's a dozen episodes that we could have you on to, to talk about like each different destination, <laughs> you know, so. God, I don't even know where to begin. I think I, I took a quick note about language because, uh, of the Southeast Asian countries I've lived in, I found Indonesian the, the easiest to learn. Like I could just make flashcards and just learn Indonesian words very quickly. So uh, did you, like you mentioned, learning a language was useful, but I think for visitors, they could probably learn a bit that you, it's useful everywhere in Indonesia, even if people speak different languages here and there, yeah? Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, as far as an Asian language goes, you, you could almost say that Indonesian is a little bit of a cheat, you know, because it's a unifying language. It's quite a, a relatively new language that was formed basically to unify 
the incredible diversity of um, of languages and and uh, cultures through the through the islands. There's, there's a statistic actually that one in ten languages in the world are spoken in Indonesia. That kind of puts it into perspective. And you know, a few words of um, of Indonesian, even a few phrases, can go a long way to to get around. And it's kind of necessary if you really want to travel off the beaten track in Indonesia. The first thing really is to pick up. You can obviously get by with a good guide and a, and a translator, but to pick up a, at least a few phrases of, a, of Indonesian will, will get you a long way and help make friends, obviously, too. Thinking about language and then the people that speak them, and I, I think every question we ask, general type question, is not going to have you know one answer, but we appreciate now, particularly, that there's tons of different kind of people in Indonesia, but is there a way to sum them up as a, as a collective kind of group? Like what sort of people... Are they and what can visitors expect to experience interacting with them? To generalize and sum up, um, well, you know, people will often say, if you ask people what's the one thing they know about Indonesia, well, it's the biggest uh, Muslim country in the world. That's always the, the obvious statement that comes up. And that's true, of course. It's also a very relaxed Muslim um, in, in virtually all areas. It's a very relaxed uh, Muslim culture. Um, but there are also huge areas of of Christian communities, and then there's there's Bali and several other islands that are Hindu too. The, as I've traveled more through Indonesia, I've tried not to pigeonhole islands, but it seems to me that there are kind of three separate separate zones. I I feel as I travel through, you get the huge islands on the on the west that um that get probably the most tourism. There's um, obviously Sumatra and Java are quite well known to tourists. Bali is substantially smaller than those, but even much better known. And then you have the big islands, let's say in the middle, which would be Sulawesi and Sumba, Sumbawa, Flores, as you get a little bit further east, and Kalimantan, which is the huge Indonesian section of Borneo. And then off on the further mm -hmm. on the east, you get those that incredible dot, you know, incredible um, archipelago and dots of quite small islands in the Maluku used to be known as the, as the Spice Islands. Um, and even to say that they're small, I mean, that's a region that very few people know. I, I feel like it's one of the, one of the, let's say the last great adventurous locations in the world where you can actually get to islands where probably, when, certainly where no out, outsider has ever set foot, you know? Um, and when I say that small islands, what's the, what are those far? What are the names of one of those islands, the Spice Islands? Because I'm looking at a Google map again. It's past Timor Leste, yeah, like beyond that. It's between. If you find Sulawesi, you find the big guy, yeah, kind of orchid-shaped island of Sulawesi, okay. and then everything south and east of there down towards Papua. Pretty much, that's the tangle of the Maluku Islands. Um, and when I say that the Maluku are is a collection of small islands, even that's misleading because there's an island there, the biggest island there is called Halmahera, and very few people will probably have heard of Halmahera, um, and yet it's three times the size of Bali. It's also incredibly diverse. They are, the last time I flew in there when I was researching the book, actually 27 people had landed in northern Halmahera in the previous year, which gives you an idea, you know, and that's an island three times the size of Bali. Virtually unknown. There's so much to see there. You could you could travel in that region alone, I think, for the rest of your life and uh, never get bored with it. Yeah, it looks amazing. I mean, there literally are like uncountable islands because, like, you know, I've 
traveled a bit of Indonesia and, and I've lived in Bali a bit and I love to surf and dive and pour over maps, but like even some of these places I've never set eyes on a map or a Google earth image of, you know, just, so that's so yeah. cool that you've got to experience all of that. You know, one of the things that, that's amazing in this diversity too, is the food. Like I was lucky enough to be in Jakarta for a food and fashion festival. And they had food vendors from all over Indonesia at this huge like food court. And like, you know, Balinese food is amazing because it's spicy, which is surprising to a lot of people, I think, but like Sumatran food, the food is so diverse. So what, what are some of your favorite Indonesian cuisines? Mm, there's a good question. You, you've got to like uh, masakan padang, which is padang food. Um, that's for me has been almost a staple wherever I'm traveling in Indonesia. Because if you can find a masakan padang, let's, let's simplify things, is basically a buffet where you'll get served your plate of rice because pretty much nothing in Indonesia is eaten without rice. You get your plate of rice. And then you pick things out of the, so often out of a cabinet that you want on top of the rice and you pay for what you, what you choose as with a buffet. In Padang itself, where this food comes from, which is a city halfway down the coast of Sumatra, they have a, a different sort of system where they serve you your rice. You sit at, it can even be a very simple little eatery and three or four waitresses will be shuttling maybe 15 different plates of food to your table. And if you sample something from one of those plates, you obviously pay for that plate. Um, you can't just sample off every single one. But it's a very cost-effective way to eat. And it's almost like you have, uh, you know, an incredible rich stuff all, um, gourmet selection on your, on your table, even in the simplest little eateries. Um, that's one thing that, that I love to eat. And then obviously you have great satays, which are basically types of ke kebabs, which are cooked on the spot. And I love the, the hot drinks that you find in different areas too. Um, often, especially if it's in a highland area then you, and you go out in the evening to one of the food markets, in uh, some areas you'll find something called bandrek, which is a kind of spicy, cinnamony um, hot drink, very, very um, sweet and uh, with lots of honey and often with a raw egg inside as well, which is very nice and surprisingly refreshing. Yeah. Now, Mark, we're going to get into some specific destinations and places to see. I'm Canadian, and when people will say, like, oh, where should I go in Canada? It's, it's sort of, you know, a loaded question. And we have about 7,000 kilometers east to west. You're talking about 15,000. So without needing to name spots, I mean, how does somebody, you know, with a typical few weeks of vacation even begin to think about planning a trip? I mean, is it islands, beaches, cities, volcanoes? Is it food-based? Like... With it being so big with so much, how does somebody even begin to start planning a trip there, do you think? Mm, that's a very good question. Um, let me also clarify something. So my trip was 15,000 kilometers. I was zigzagging a lot, to be honest. But if you go east to west across uh, from, let's say, from, the, from Sumatra to Papua, to the border of Papua, that would be about 5,000 kilometers. So yeah, still a huge country, yeah? Okay. Uh, yeah, it, it right. really depends. It depends a lot on the sort of resources you have and the time you have, also the language. The easiest islands to get around for a traveler, obvi obviously Bali. You can find everything you would ever need on Bali, and, and it's a wonderful island. I didn't really feature it in, the, in this book for the simple reason that I have a... I'm hoping that I've got a, a novel coming out quite soon that's going to be about Bali. <laughs> Maybe we'll be out by the time this goes okay. live. So um, the, this book doesn't touch on Bali, but Bali is such an easy place to travel. Java too, connections and transport is really good. The, the tourism infrastructure is awesome. Sumatra, 
okay. similar, um, and yet you have huge, wonderful uh, wildernesses and, um, and great wildlife areas and, and incredible trekking. The same with Java, actually. There's so many volcanoes. As you go further, all further over east, it slowly begins to get, I think, slightly more difficult to, or at least more time-consuming to travel. Kalimantan can soak up a lot of time to get around. Sulawesi is, is okay. a huge island to travel through. As I was saying before, what I really love are the, the tiny islands over in the, in the Spice Islands. You almost need to set up a, an expedition, a, a boat-based expedition to get to many of those places. Right. You know, you can sometimes do that by local boats. And then there are the Penisi, the Sulawesi schooners, which are one of my favorite aspects of uh, Indonesia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some amazing... Which maybe I can tell you about if you want me to. Yeah, Sulawesi <laughs> has always been some place that I've always found intriguing because it's this massive island and uh, it has diverse culture and uh, it's probably got spectacular hiking and biking and scuba diving. And uh, I'm not so sure about the surfing because it's a little bit sheltered up there in the north. But uh, yeah, if you could share a little bit about Sulawesi, that would be cool. Sulawesi has pretty much everything in this Tana Taraja, which has incredible traditions and especially the funeral and the burial traditions in Tana Taraja are quite, quite amazing. I mean, they have an aspect there with the, what you would probably, what you could describe as, as the living dead of Tana Taraja. In effect, people who, are, who die within the communities in Tana Taraja are considered to be alive until the moment that a buffalo is sacrificed and their spirit passes into the, into the next world. Up until that point, they're considered alive. They live in the house. They live with the families. And I had quite a powerful and, and very unexpected experience meeting somebody's, being introduced to somebody's mother and father. Now, the mother had been dead for about the last five months, and the father had been dead for the last five years. And yet you, you meet these people and you, you know, you politely say hello and you pass the time of day, but they've, to our mind at least, they've been dead for years, you know? Um, and then what I was going to get on also, one of my favorite, uh, almost my, one of my favorite aspects of the whole of Indonesia is the, the Penisi boat building traditions of South Sulawesi. That's the area where okay. they, where they build the Sulawesi schooners. You have the, the Konjo people down there and the Bugis. You might have heard of the Bugis. The Bugis uh, were the, in the old days, they were the pirates who used to raid on the monsoon winds from east to west. A specific area? Or, or, or yeah. Because again, this is a massive island. Even just saying the south of Sulawesi is like, is, is like California, right? Exactly. You, you look on the map, it's not, the area is not too far from Makassar, but it's actually a five, five or six hour drive. Tanjung Bira is the, um, is the area where they build these boats. Um, there's a village there, beautiful village, one of the most beautiful villages I've seen in Indonesia called Ara. And that is a village mostly of Konjo people. And they build these immense, uh, they can be up to 65 meters long, Sulawesi schooners. They build them on the beach and pull them by hand down to the sea and launch them. And uh, so the Bugis used to be, they used to be the pirates. Um, you will have heard of the boogeymen. The Bugis were the people who gave the word oh, boogeymen right. to the world. And they, wow. they still crew a lot of these boats. And these days, the Penises, uh, there are a lot of luxury Penises reaching out to remote islands in Indonesia where very few people, well, often, often totally uninhabited islands and often getting you to places where no outsider will have been for sure. Those boats, I think, 
a lot of them are, are very much on the luxury side for tourism, but those kind of liverboards and pinices and the boats that go out to these outlying islands, I think in some ways, you know, it will be a future for Indonesia because it's the only way really that tourists without a lot of time and probably without, without you know, going a long way towards, towards managing the Indonesian language, for most tourists, that's really the only way to access some of the remotest islands in Indonesia, aboard these penises or other kind of other types of liverboards. You know, the best skippers and the best crews obviously yeah. know that that they have to be sustainable, that they have to support local local communities and do what they can to protect natural resources. So, I think it's a, a very positive way of bringing you could even say pioneers of tourism to some of those outlying islands. That's awesome. And that's about where I am in your book. Uh, full disclosure to the listener, I'm about two thirds of the way through and you're on the luxury schooner with the wealthy American guy. And um, yeah, you, what you've just described is exactly where I am. Look, Mark, um, you've just described that area in an incredible way. And I'm going to ask you another one of these impossible to answer questions. So maybe you can give a couple different sample trips, but I'm just wondering, someone say got three weeks at their disposal, a moderate budget, where should they even consider going? Or do they have to like keep it to just one island? What are Mark's recommendations? For a three-week, let's say for a three-week trip off the top of, I mean, there's so many places to go. I would, I would say you can have an amazing trip by going to Sulawesi. Sulawesi is very unexpected. Um, you have the cultural aspects of the, of the center of the island there with the Tanataraja and far up north, incredible landscapes, um, volcanic landscapes in the Minahasa area. And then there's diving. So in Sumatra, the Batak area in the north, is, there's a lake there, which is, which is actually in the Guinness Book of Records as the world's biggest. It's the world's biggest freshwater lake with an island in the middle of it. So the world's biggest uh, freshwater island lake. Slash volcanic crater. Right, and, right. Yeah, that's the Batak area. So if you go to the Batak area of North, North Sumatra, um, they have very rich cultures there. In the old days, it was a cannibal culture. Um, the architecture is incredible. The people are super, super friendly. And it's a relaxed place for exploring, for trekking too. From there, you could also, you could take a hop over to Nias Island, which is great for surfing. It's one of the one of the best waves in the world for sure in in Nias, and also has um, these wonderful fortress villages up in the in the mountains above the surf spots there. To have a kind of a very varied trip, you could then head down south to Kerinci National Park, which has arguably they this, they say that there are more tigers in Kerinci National Park than remain in the whole of Indochina. And that's an, wow. an incredible place for jungle trekking. So Sumatra has amazing options like that. And that's just one island. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. a huge island. Yeah, the, you know, the, the, the standard trip for so many people is to, to visit Bali, hop over to, to Lombok, and then have a quick zap over for a rest on the, on the Gili Islands. And you, people will often tick it off and say, okay, I've done Indonesia, that's that, you know? But there are so many other options. Right. Yeah, I first, uh, I went to Sumatra in 1996, and uh, I took a ferry into Medan, and then I made my way to Lake Toba. And I'm a surfer, so I was hoping to get to Nias, 
Um, but in 96, you know, like pre cell phones, pre internet, pre everything, like I, I didn't think there would be like a board there that I, I didn't even know how to get there, you know, but like, it's an amazing, beautiful, interesting, friendly country, you know, you're just that Island, you know? So those are great tips and looking at a map, like I would definitely do a Sumatra trip for two or three weeks. And I think you'd want to give yourself mm. time just because these distances are so long. And that national park you mentioned, like it's probably spectacular, but you're probably going to need like five days. To yeah, exactly. Um, I wish, you know, I think Indonesia, this is not, a, this is not the place to talk about politics and stuff, but I really wish that Indonesia would do, I think uh, the Indian visa situation has changed now, but I think a while back when I flew into Indonesia, the visa that was off into India, the visa that was offered was a six month multiple entry visa. So you could basically stay in for as long as you want or, or pop back out and come back in again. And you know, that's what Indonesia needs because to fully explore Sumatra, you can barely do that on a 30 day, the 30 day stamp that you get when you come into the country. I think if um, Indonesia right. would open its visas up and make, make it possible for people to travel much more widely, then actually they would end up staying in the country and exploring. You know, there's plenty to see for three, four months if you're on a around the world gap year kind of thing. Um, you could spend three, four months exploring Indonesia. Rather than that, effectively what you do is you fly in, you get your 30 days, you, you pass out your 30 days, and then they make you go and spend your money somewhere else. And, and then, you know, they go back and, and stay in Thailand. And a lot of backpackers have, have no idea, you know, they think, you know, they, they come away with the idea that Indonesia is actually smaller than, than Thailand because all they've seen really was Bali and Lombok. <laughs> That's a really good point because the worst that can happen really is somebody spends more time and money and tells their friends, well, look, Mark, you have seemingly done and seen it all in Indonesia, but I'm guessing based on the size of that country, there are still a few spots on your must-see list. So I'm wondering what are some of those spots that Mark still really wants to get to? Mm, good, very good question. I've been hearing a lot about Rote Island, which is um, kind of off the top of uh, of Timor. I've been hearing about, a lot about that lately, okay. which is a, it's a little fairly small Christian island that people have been talking for a while about it being the new Bali and has got great surf. And yeah, there's quite there are some aspects of surf in uh, in my copy Dulu book. And now I'm a surfer, given given any opportunity. Yeah. As you were saying, Trevor, if, um, okay. if I can find a board anywhere, I'll, um, I'll certainly try and, try and get a wave. So Rotti is somewhere that I would love to get to, to, to catch some waves and just kind of a, pick up the vibe there because a lot of surfers have been coming back to Bali from Rotti saying how wonderful it was. I'm planning probably, probably within the next month to get back to Kalimantan. And I've been a lot in Kalimantan, and that's also a place that's underestimated and you know, the Kapoor's River is Indonesia's longest river. Three times I've been, I've traveled up there by cargo boat. It actually takes six days and six nights by cargo boat to get from the coast to the main city up there in the, which, which would be like the Manaus. If you are on the Amazon, this is like the Indonesian Manaus, yeah. you know, um, and those cargo boats are incredible, but I'm looking forward to seeing other, uh, a lot more of the rest of uh, Kalimantan within the next month or so as well. There's, um, even after 15,000 kilometers, there's a lot more of Indonesia I want to see. <laughs> sure. Yeah, man. Again, I'm, I'm on Google Earth right now, and I just went to Rote Island, and then there's a bunch of little islands off of it, and then I'm zooming in because there's atolls surrounding these little islands, and you can see the white water where the waves are breaking. So, yeah, I mean, like, that's one of my favorite things to do is just yeah. stare at 
Google Earth beach photos and images. And I can I can tell you, yeah, you're hooked already, right? <laughs> <laughs> so many little islands to see out there. Yeah, well, I was supposed to go on a surf trip to Indo last year, or maybe it was two years. I guess it's two years ago now, so I'm still overdue for that. Uh, so you're based in West Bali. What so what attracts you to West? Like where exactly in West Bali do you live, and what what's special about that place? I live out uh, pretty much close to Madewi, which is a great yeah. surf spot. It's actually people often say that it's the longest wave in Bali, the longest left-hander. What I love there, we're we're about four hours from the airport, which makes uh, you know some people say, wow, you know, you, you don't mind making a four-hour drive every time you fly in and out, and we do. We leave obviously for work very often. It's an absolute pleasure to make that four-hour drive. I mean, it's beautiful going through the paddies. It's never boring driving in, in Bali. But more than anything, people have to want to come out to our side of the island. You know, it's not a place that you just go for cheap beer and, and parties. So it's remained, it still remained very unspoiled there. There's a lot of jungle in the middle of that side of the island. And then it's just a, a layer of beautiful paddies and then these black sand beaches, which um, a lot of people turn their noses up at, but that's actually why we haven't turned into something like the Costa del Sol or like Nusa Dua, you know? We have 14 kilometers of, of beach outside my house that uh, you, you never see a tourist on. Actually, you never see anybody but a couple of local fishermen. It's almost deserted. It's absolutely beautiful on that side of the island. Sounds like a sweet piece of paradise, Mark. Well, look, you, you gave us a real broad overview of the book at the start. And so sort of as we wrap this one up, what could listeners hope to gain and, and, and get from picking up their own copy of Copy Doodle? You know, I try to, there's a, there's a lot of uh, wildlife in the book, as you love come across, and a lot of culture. The standard advice for a writer is to write about, um, write about what you know. But after 25 years traveling around Indonesia, it's fair to say that um, there's a lot of aspects of this country that I still find mind-bogglingly complex and diverse. And there are so many traditions and beliefs. There, there is a lot of um, what we would call superstition, but um, you know, powerful local beliefs in, in the book. None of this is um, from, I'm not an expert on Indonesia, but I've been fortunate to be able to come across so many local people who have, and who have been able to help me and um, bring these stories to me. And I hope that, um, that this book will be a homage to Indonesia and that it will inspire a lot of people, capture some imagination, and hopefully inspire some adventurous travel dreams from, uh, from readers. Well, you've inspired me further, Mark. So thanks a ton for making time for us. I guess I'll try Bahasa Indonesia. Terima kasih. <laughs> Terima kasih banyak. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Mark. It's very been a pleasure. inspiring stuff. Uh, we're going to have to talk with you again here real soon, I think. Wow. You know, Mark has so much knowledge about Indonesia and Indonesia is such a diverse subject that we really just scratched the surface. You know, it seemed like we, we had so many intriguing things to talk about and I, I could barely keep up on the Google Maps just because like uh, there, there's so much to, to say. It was fascinating and overwhelming at the same time. Yeah, I'm with you. Even though I've read two thirds of the book and I had the Google map open, I'm going to have to make some time to look at all the places on the Google map he shared that we're sharing on our show notes on the website. I got really jazzed about uh, Indonesian Borneo. In the book, he talks about, you know, this six day journey up the river to just get to these little villages. And then 
he travels beyond that. And he mentioned that was one of his first assignments as a journalist for Heineken going there. And he mentioned he's going to go back again. So I kind of really find that intriguing. And when you look at Indonesia and Borneo, like there's not many roads on it. It's a goddamn huge place. Uh, yeah, that one really fascinated me. What what piqued your interest, Trevor? Gosh, I don't know. You know, again, there's so much like even just like where he lives in Bali, which is a place that most people don't get up to. Like I've been up there. I could picture it in my mind. It's so beautiful, like going up towards the the, the hillside up there into the valleys and like the, the culture. Gosh, I don't know. Every place that he mentioned, I was just like geeking out. Like I had two maps going. There was the <laughs> Google map that I was making for the show notes. And then I had Google Earth open at the same time so that I could see it on Google Earth. You know, what the beaches looked like, what the reefs looked like, how jungly it was, whether there was rivers, you know, like... Uh, like every destination is worthy of like a week or more. Like you could spend 25 years as Mark has uh, in order to like, just get enthusiastic about your next trip. Yeah, indeed. And just the size from tiny islands, which are still pretty damn big to then you look at Sumatra. And I think it's, you know, one of the world's largest islands as is Java and Lake Tobo. I thought, you know, sounds pretty neat and it's one of the better known sites, but yeah, I mean, it's, what is it like the biggest lake or a biggest island in a lake on an island or something like that? Like Northern Sumatra really yeah, got me I excited. Padang food. Like yeah. When he was talking about Padang food that too, like, so man, I got to go eat in Padang. Like, yeah, I got to do it. Yeah. The food's spectacular. That's one of the nice things. If you travel, we didn't mention much about uh, accommodation, right. which would be an interesting subject as well because he's like oh yeah you just bring a, a hammock tent you know yeah. and i'm fine bringing a tent and i can camp and stuff like that you know but like that also means food right but you know I, i've done a little bit of backcountry back on that early trip in indonesia and you get like dudes carry your food and they'll make a fire for you and and help you like i slept in a lean-to once in, in sumatra oh, wow. and like like those dudes are resourceful. The guys who will lead you on treks in Indonesia, I think uh, have skills for survival out there too, you know, and then it's part of, I think the whole experience, right? Yeah. Well, this is a country that's so bloody huge to approach on a trip. I really got super inspired speaking with Mark. I found the book Kopi Dulu kind of essential reading. I think if you want to go to Indonesia, there's so many little places mentioned that I think if you just read that book, you're going to come out with, 10 places you want to visit on your trip and it'll help you plan your trip as well. So really fun conversation. Thanks, Mark, for being on there. Trevor, if people enjoyed this, how should they respond and help us keep this going? I say go to the website, uh, talktravelasia.com, right. um, because there you'll be able to check out our show notes, which will have the Google map and then it'll have a link to Mark's website, Instagram, Facebook, Amazon. You can order the Kopi Dulu right. book. And there'll be a button there that says donate and you can donate to the show. And we'd appreciate that because uh, we'll send you a postcard or you'll get some interesting conversations with us and some of our guests and friends or, or videos of uh, what we're up to kind of uh, a more casual talk travel Asia, if you can imagine such a thing as possible. Indeed. So thanks for listening, everyone. Patrons, thank you for your support. And we'll be back in two weeks with another super duper episode. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom in Cambodia? 